Rachel Huber-Canto is our guest this week. She's the author of a new book called Pretty Good Catholic, How to Find Date and Marry Someone Who Shares Your Faith. And she shares with us about some of the insights from her book, some of the research that's gone into it. But she also shares a lot about her own story of expectations and checklists and moving towards the openness that led her to her now husband. So we hope it's helpful for you, especially if you're in that time of dating or figuring out what it looks like to date or what it looks like to discern. And even if you're not in that stage, we hope it's helpful for you and that you might consider forwarding this episode to someone who you think it would be helpful for. And we're praying for you in a special way this week. God bless you. This is a podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Um, And this is actually a literal welcome back to Erin, because if you were following us on Instagram, you saw lots of pictures of Ireland last week and Erin got back. So we're recording this. Um, as, when we're recording this, Aaron got back the day before. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. I did. Wow. Yes, mm-hmm. still jet lagged, probably. It's pretty great. Yep. Although I did try and stay up, I was like, I have to stay up until mm-hmm. a reasonable bedtime because Ireland is five hours ahead. So I was like, if right. I arrive, I I got back here. I flew into Toronto at 3.15, and then I drove from Toronto to Ottawa after I picked up my car. And so I got here at, like, quarter to nine, and I was like, I need to stay up until, like, 9.30 or 10 so so that I can just, like, get right back into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And which was totally fine, except for then it hit 9.30, and I was like, I have an eighth wind. I could go forever. <laughs> no. Oh, gosh. Uh, but then that went away fairly quickly, and then that I had very good wind. sleep. But in it's honor of you picture. all, uh, well, thanks to those who are following along and commenting and loving on the pictures, which was fun. But I did bring back some um, very special Cool Swan award-winning premium Irish cream liqueur that is apparently uh, better than even Bailey's. Sorry if anybody works for Bailey's and is listening. So let's see. <laughs> oh, as you're trying it. Oh. I like it. Okay. It's delicious. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. That's really good. Okay. That's great. I, I wish so, I could steal some and try it. I know. Screen, but technology. I, my sister and I went to, also, if you're watching this on YouTube, you notice that there's like another person here and she's just sitting here quietly and smiling. So we'll introduce her in a second. Um, <laughs> right after we finish talking about alcohol. Um, but <laughs> my, my sister and I went to Ireland in February of 2020, like, like right before the pandemic. And when we, I remember when we flew back, um, people in the airport had just started wearing like masks and stuff. Right. And we were both like, what is this? Like, should we be wearing a mask? I don't know, whatever. But we brought back a bottle of Cool Swan and I made that last throughout the pandemic. And it would like be once in a while, I would just like get it out and have a little bit with ice. And it was just like, it just like would hit the spot. So mm. I very much associated that with like um, um, a moderate, a coping mechanism in a really moderate way <laughs> during 2020. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. We should say, um, I got to stay with um, your sister, Nicole, which was so fun. And her husband and their two kids and crazy dog. I was saying like the dog, (laughs) Jenny is so sweet. She's like a year old Cocker Spaniel. 
kind mm-hmm. of mix, I think. Anyways, um, but she uh, she's kind of like a spasm personified in a dog. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like her personality, you know, but yeah. super cute. Yeah. So yeah. that was also, a lot of fun. The name Jenny is great. I, we, I had a friend in my program. We were laughing about how when dogs are named things that people are named, like it's a very like people name also. And it's just kind of yeah. funny. It's like, Jenny, come here. You know, that's like, so, that's such a, yeah. it, it could, it's totally cute for a dog name too, but you know, like mm-hmm. a person could also be named Jenny or like, yeah, I don't know, other like Edward, get over here. You know, like, <laughs> so, so really just person for name for dog. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. So I won't make any longer here to introduce you to our wonderful guest today, um, who is named Rachel also. So we have two Rachels here. Um, mm-hmm. I was in it ladies beforehand I'm like I think I collect Rachel's it's very oh mm, um mm. Mm-hmm. but this is uh Rachel Hoover Canto and I know Rachel here she lives in Nashville uh also we're part of the same um small group that we go to on Monday nights with the community and liberation actually Ra- uh, Rachel D'Souza is also part of CL up in mm-hmm. in DC so Aaron I'm the only loser uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one among us who doesn't say the mystical presence (laughs) revealed itself and talk like a normal human being. Just kidding. Exactly. Exactly. I love CL. It's fair. Well, at least you know the reputation of the Mm -hmm. Italian translated into English jargon that everyone's trying to figure out. So Mm -hmm, there you mm -hmm. go. Uh, Exactly what I was referencing about on Monday. Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) As an English lover, it's very difficult for me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm. Goodness. Uh, well, um, thank you well, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And as a listener yeah. to the podcast, very honored to be here. Oh, which yeah. is so fun. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Great. Also, well, we, I was just going to say we decided that Rachel is going to be Rachel and I'm just going to be D'Souza. That's how we're going to distinguish there we go. between us today. So we can <laughs> keep track of mm-hmm. all the Rachels, of all the Rachel going everywhere right now. That's right. <laughs> In my brain earlier, and I'm a little bit tired, I was like, what can we call Rachel D'Souza? D'Souza? Dessous, just like, did we, do we, okay, anyway. Susie? I will, mm. I will answer to any of those. Nicole, <laughs> Nicole vetoed that right away. Susie, like, huh? immediately no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not picking You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty easygoing about most things, but some, when mm. I have a strong opinion, you see it. Anyways. Good. Yep, there it is. <laughs> well, okay, so Rachel, um, Rachel C., um, would you like to tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. So we, okay, so we have Rachel here because she just wrote a book mm-hmm. and we're really excited about the book, not only because the topic is, I think, really timely and important and it's going to be helpful for a lot of people, but also we're cited in the book, which is pretty cool because I don't think we've ever been, you know, referenced. What? I didn't That's know that. Yeah. <laughs> no way. So cool. <laughs> So anyway, awesome. so that's not the only reason why we're having you on Rachel here, but no. So Rachel, Rachel just wrote a book and it's on, on dating. So I think this is, you know, timely because it's yeah. February, which is when Help a lot of people, yeah. you know, I used to call it when I was single for many years, I always called um, Valentine's day, like singles awareness day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the day you're really aware that you're single if you are. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Anyway. So without further ado, Rachel, do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, what, what's your story? Who, who are you? Who are you? Sure. Um, I am a rare Nashville native. Everybody seems to be moving to Nashville right now, but Mm. I've been here (laughs) most of my life. So, um, and, uh, 
almost lifelong Catholic. My parents brought me into the church when I was four. So it's kind of cool to be able to remember my baptism. It's just kind of yeah, a fun right. fact. Um, and yeah, I, I went to Christendom College in Virginia. I graduated um, hoping to be, I think, a great novelist or something like that. And um, <laughs> didn't quite do that. Um, but I have been writing in various capacities ever since. Um, done a lot of just freelance work for Catholic news outlets like OSV News, Catholic World Report. Um, and then that kind of led to me writing on this topic of kind of the trials and tribulations of dating as a Catholic and trying to find a spouse and then digging deeper into the research and realizing that um, Catholic marriage rates, like weddings per year, have fallen even more than I suspected they had. They've actually... Mm. Um, percentage-wise, have fallen more than priestly vocations have in the past oh, um, decades. Which, yeah, most people do not know this, but That's in the U.S. Insane. at least, um, yeah, number of Catholics wedding per year have fallen, I think, 77% since 1970 versus um, priestly vocations haven't fallen. I mean, they've fallen a lot, but not quite so much. So hmm. um, just started to learn more and more about this and realized that the the struggles I was going through were not just a me thing, they are actually a a thing in general in society and particularly among Catholics. I think we have some um, kind of unique struggles that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily face in the same way with mm -hmm. dating. Um, and so I was kind of writing on this topic. I also had um, been going through my own long dating and discernment journey. It felt long, at least <laughs> as it was going on. And yeah. um, at some point in there, founded a singles ministry here in Nashville. So we ran mixers and speed dating events and things like that, trying to just get people to take some action and kind of bring people together. Um, and it was more popular and more successful than I thought it would be. So there was this real hunger for mm -hmm. kind of a, a safe space in a sense to go meet other Catholics in a way that's totally acceptable to be looking for a date and not sort of this covert thing where you go to Bible study because you totally just love the Lord, but you also like really want to meet somebody, you know, <laughs> I was like, let's just get it out in the open. Uh, yeah, that's right. don't want to be single and yeah. do something about it. So um, one thing and another, and it all kind of um, eventually turned into this book deal. Um, so Viani Vocations is the publisher. They kind of came to me after mm -hmm. reading some of my articles and said, this is really timely and important and interesting and we would like mm -hmm. for you to expand on that and write a book about it so that's so cool that's honestly yeah. even like one of our top episodes top listen to episodes is called dating is possible that was with mm -hmm. um Danica came Danica, on yeah. yeah and talked about but so it's so true though what you're saying is yeah. like it's something mm -hmm. that but sometimes it doesn't get actually discussed like honestly Mm. Or, you know, like a lot of the pitfalls of things or, yeah, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So so that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It seems to me that it's it gets very, um, I would say, oversimplified. Like a lot of people want to mm. say, well, people aren't getting married because they're just hooking up and living together. Or people aren't getting married because X, Y, or Z. And what I found from just interviewing a bunch of people and taking anonymous surveys and all the things I did to work on the book was that, it's not just one thing. It's so many different things and they're all layered on top of each other and they all kind of act like filters or, or stages mm. in the funnel that kind of make it really hard to get all the way to the end and actually end up married. Um, and that's right. just 
kind of a sad reality we're in. Um, but I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of hope and things we can do about it as individuals. Um, mm-hmm. And I should say, before we go too much further, um, I got married myself about a month ago. So Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> a husband walking past in the background. That's who that is. Um, <laughs> and Rachel, maybe I think it's fun. Tell, tell us how you met your husband. I, well, we initially met at a friend's birthday party. So go to events of all sorts. That's always a good idea. Um, But I didn't really think he was my type, wasn't really interested. And then we sort of re-met through, he's clicking his tongue at me right now. (laughs) (laughs) We sort of re-met through the singles events that I was running. He started coming to those and kind of making a point of talking to me every time. And then I eventually came around to giving him a chance. Um, And we can talk about openness and whether people have a type or not if we want to <laughs> dig into that in a little bit because that's something I'm passionate about but um yeah, yeah. that's awesome so so cool um things I, that so, I've said are are uh tried and proven at least for myself so hopefully they work for there you go people. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a good endorsement you know you mm-hmm. ended up married so at least one person you know that's right that's right um yeah well, okay. So then what, maybe you can share with us, Rachel, what you found, um, as you said, you did like, you did some research, actually, this wasn't like just sort of you, your opinions about things Like you actually went and asked people, you did some kind of qualitative, um, and yeah, and quantitative studies, right? Like these surveys and, and interviews. So like, what did you find? What are some of those, um, reasons why people are struggling to find a spouse? Um, I found that there's basically just a different hurdle to get over at sort of every stage of the journey. So there are people who are um, just struggling to meet other single Catholics in their age range, because I mean, they'll say all the time, uh, you can see this if you go on the like Catholic subreddit or really anywhere that people are talking about dating in the Catholic world, they'll say, there's nobody my age at my parish. There's nobody to talk to. Mm -hmm. I have no friends in the Catholic community. Um, It's all just old people or married people with kids. Um, So it can be really hard just to meet other single young adults in the Catholic world. And then if you do meet someone, um, there seems to be this, for lack of a better word, just kind of awkwardness and uncertainty about how to proceed. So Mm. people are maybe kind of interested in someone, but they don't really know how to signal that or how to, you know, how long to wait before like asking someone out. Do you have to know somebody really well first or do you, should you just do it right away? Is that going to scare her off? Uh, mm. Should the girl be asking the guy out? Should it only be the other way around? Like all of that kind of thing is just how to, how to do it. Just a literal like step-by-step step how to go from, I kind of maybe I'm interested in this person to going on a date. Um, and then getting from one date to a second date seems to be a really difficult struggle for a lot of people, honestly, yeah, um, or just getting yeah. through those first few to the point of actually being in a relationship. Um, and I think there, one of the big things that I found was, um, a lot of people are really struggle to know what's the difference between giving someone a chance and leading someone on. Right. And there's this extreme fear of leading someone on or of that yeah. accusation of having led someone on and then like broken their heart. Um, right. And so there's fear of getting your own heart broken. There's fear of hurting someone else and just kind of mm-hmm. how to navigate that. And then once people are actually in relationships, I think there's a lot of more of the things that maybe you've heard about, but sort of those deeper struggles of, um, you know, are we really good fit? Would we have a healthy marriage? Do we have good communication? Um, and then every now and then somebody just kind of goes, wait, maybe I'm called to religious life or priesthood. I don't know. It's just the whole dating thing for a while and goes on a whole different journey. And that's a whole other thing too. Right. So it's all this like deeper discernment, just discernment difficulties and not really yeah. knowing how to discern and how to do that with confidence and joy. Um, 
so then hopefully, you know, eventually people get engaged, but you have to go through all of those hurdles first. Um, right. mm-hmm. I just found those things. I mean, there's a lot of other things that individuals could struggle with, but those themes of just not really knowing what to do and not really knowing um, how to discern well and what a good relationship looks like were big parts of it mm-hmm. after the whole problem of just how to meet people. And people will go online. Of course, that's sort of the main thing um, that people are doing now. <laughs> Almost right. the default, I think, for I found for people like, I guess Gen Z, like 25 and under, I feel like their default is I want to date somebody now. I'm feeling ready to discern marriage. So I'm just going to go instantly to an app. And Mm -hmm. some people do have success with that. That can be really great. But there's also a lot of difficulties there because it's just a whole different way of interacting with another human that isn't entirely natural. So kind of app dating etiquette and um, how to decide if this person on a screen is someone you would actually want to meet in real life is also a big struggle too. So mm-hmm. those are some of the main ones. Um, yeah. And yeah, happy to kind of dig deeper into any of those. Yeah. I would love to hear like, how did you find that in your own, like coming through, you know, being single and then experiencing your singlehood and then thinking about like, how did you end up kind of coming to this place where you like, I want to do these events or like do this ministry. And what was it like kind of, when you met your husband and how did you experience those, like the getting over those hurdles yourself? What was that like? Yeah, this could be a very long answer. But I'll try to <laughs> That's <of> okay. Karen <laughs> grabs her so, drink, settles that's in. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think growing up, I assumed that people just grew up and just met someone and got married and that it was just very natural and easy. And I think that's what, honestly, my parents assumed. I think that's what a lot of previous generations assume because it seems like something so natural. Why wouldn't that just happen? Isn't everybody looking for a spouse, basically? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I think kind of the first stage of discovery, I guess, was going, well, so for background, I was homeschooled. So, uh, and I did ballet as my main activity. So I really just interacted with girls a lot. I didn't really have mm. my friends definitely didn't date, um, in high school or anything. So going off to college and being part of this really close knit, intensely Catholic community. Um, I was really excited, like, Hey, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe this is how I meet my spouse. Right. And, um, I think I was surprised first to realize that people just weren't dating nearly as much as I thought they were. It wasn't mm. something that everyone just did by default when they showed up on campus. There, Well, there were sort of two options. There was you met someone and instantly became completely attached at every hour of the day and were fully intertwined with each other's lives like from the first semester of freshman year and just stayed that way for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Or you were not going on dates at all. And it just seemed mm-hmm. like there was no in between. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it took... I think it was sometimes sophomore year. Um, I finally actually got asked out for the first time. And I remember talking it over with some friends, like, I don't know if I really like him, but like I said, yes, because I didn't know what to do. And, you know, <laughs> and um, they were kind of like, at least you got a date. Like, I thought it was normal to just be asked out when you were, you know, 18, 19, whatever yeah. in, in college. We thought that was just normal, but it's not happening. Right. So that was, I think, kind of the first wake up call to like, there's kind mm-hmm. of maybe a problem here, you know, yeah, like yeah, even when right. you're surrounded by, you know, cool, educated, attractive Catholics who are your own age, who are all single, like right. nobody mm-hmm. really knows what to do. Um, right. And I, if I can interject really quickly, and I, I feel like there's two parts of that that I like, I'm resonating with just from my own life. But one is the, 
that like, yeah, just not getting asked out very much and wondering like, oh, like, like what, what is, you know, and then, then there's, is it something wrong with me or like, but what's, what is happening here? And then it's like, when you actually do go on a date, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, but like, do I want to marry them? You know? And it's like, yes. it's like really quick feeling like you have to figure everything out before you even go on your first date. And it's just this sort of wild, like, yeah, this wild polarities thing. with no, yeah. like, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah. Well, there's also, I, I mean, I guess Christendom would have been a different experience maybe with like how many, like the guy to girl ratio, but there's also depending on where you are, like um in in a Catholic circle, like if you're on a secular campus and you're Catholic and then there's the Catholic group, it's this, you know, was kind of my experience where there's like, there's a lot of girls, there's like 10 guys, <laughs> like it's like, if they're going to ask people out, it's like, well, they have a lot of pick, but w- yeah, we're not going to like fight each other for these 10 guys. Like, you know, it's, right. like, it's kind of awkward. You're like, okay, I'm <laughs> or just going to. Or it's the opposite too. Like Nathan was doing campus ministry and like, it would be like 95% guys and then be like a couple girls or there'd just be like all guys who would show up and just for whatever, whatever, there's not like right. equal ratios. To- it, it seems to me that once a group has slightly tipped one way or the other, it just goes more extreme or something. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not really sure mm-hmm. why that is. I found this running the singles ministry too. At first we had a decently even ratio, I think of guys and girls showing up to the first few events. And then for whatever reason, the sort of informal mixer type things where we would just go to a brewery or whatever became like double the number of guys as girls. And the mm-hmm. fewer and fewer girls started showing up because they felt just overwhelmed. <laughs> it was like yeah, two guys would be right. on either side of them and just like, ah, you know, and they're like, yeah. I can't take this. And they would just like run away. They're jousting. They're slapping <laughs> each other with handkerchiefs. They're... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then our speed dating events that were more structured, the signups for women would just blow up and we'd have to shut them down and say, we can't let any more women come in until some more guys sign up because we just want these numbers to be somewhat interesting. So it was really interesting Mm -hmm. to see that. Um, Never quite figured out why, but Mm -hmm. it does seem like just Mm -hmm. Catholic groups in general, it's going to be, once it starts tipping one way or the other, the opposite sex is kind of like, I don't feel like I belong there anymore. (laughs) And it just sort Mm -hmm. of slides away. So that's a little Mm -hmm. bit of a tangent, but I, yeah, yeah, I've seen it both ways. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think, sorry, if you were going to go in a different direction, but um, no, yeah, keep go going with your ears. I <laughs> was talking about um, being part of like the Catholic group on a secular campus or some kind of smaller Catholic community like that. Um, and that sort of messing with things. And I definitely saw, so Christendom is a Catholic college. There's no like Catholic group within it, but it's small. It's like, mm. I think there may be up to 500 students now or something oh, like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is so, yeah. yeah. So it's tiny. And I've definitely, from talking to other people and through my own experience, seen that those smaller kind of tight knit Catholic communities can be almost the hardest places to date because mm-hmm. everyone sees everything that's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, on my campus, you have to drive probably an hour away to just go for coffee with someone without somebody else from campus running into you right. and going, they're dating, you know, and so right. there's just no space to like breathe yeah. and discern, you know, yeah. it's like either. So people did feel like they had to figure out a lot and know the person pretty well before a first date because time. a first date was a big deal because everyone then everyone knew you, you went a on a first date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was like that at Newman a lot. So like where I used to work at the Newman Center, which is Catholic chaplaincy at University of Toronto, people would say that all the time because everybody kind of knows each other. And then, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Like if you, like there were a lot of kind of cup, 
bully things that were happening that were not public or like people were keeping it very private until they actually had the chance to go on a few dates and see if they even like really liked each other. There was chemistry before, you know, telling people because then immediately as soon as you tell people like, oh my gosh, how many kids do you think the Lord will bless you with? (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, relax. Calm down, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I was talking to um, guys about this as part of book research to make sure it wasn't Mm. just my perspective, right? And a couple of guys were telling me, like, even if you just live in a small town or if you're in, like, the only Catholic parish in your area or whatever, like, whatever it is, if you're in one of those smaller Catholic communities, the guys feel like they have to kind of do their research for quite a while before they're going to ask anybody out because they don't want to ask one girl and then ask another girl out. And Mm. one guy even told me, even if it's years apart, if you ask a girl out, you can't ask one of her friends out even years apart, he said. I I don't agree with that that's actually how it should be, but that's how he felt. Because he Mm. was like, girls talk. They always talk about their Mm. dates and and you're going to get a reputation for being that guy who asked everybody out, you know? Right, yeah. There's a lot of pressure on guys to kind of be very, very careful with their choice and only pick the girl that they think is really the most potential, which means they're going to kind of hover around and not do anything for maybe six months or a year or whatever. Mm. Which is tough because it's hard to actually know that until you're actually dating someone, right? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if you do get one of those really like attached at the hip I call them no distance relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a whole section of a book chapter on that, on no distance dating. Um, If you're in one of those, then it still could end, you know, but and the breakup is going to be just all that much more brutal because everyone sees it. It's so public and you're Mm -hmm. you're losing the main person you talk to all day long. You know, it's just such an unnatural high pressure environment, I think, for a Mm -hmm. lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. Okay, yeah. let me turn it back to you because I feel like we, I totally it, d- misdirected and then we didn't get to hear the rest of what you were saying about how everything, how, <laughs> how the, how the bear, the hurdles were, um, made themselves right. apparent in your journey. Yeah. It all, it all ties together. Um, yeah. So college, um, it's kind of the, the first stage of the journey, I guess. And I, I did end up kind of dating someone in college, but it was, mostly long distance, because even though we met through college, there was summer and study abroad programs and things. And so mm. um, that was interesting, too. I think a lot of people end up in long distance relationships now, whether because of just dating apps or um, whatever else. So that was that's just a whole hurdle in itself. you know. Yeah. So I kind mm. of experienced the no distance phenomenon and the long distance phenomenon kind of almost together and just experienced. Um, I guess I would say like. Well, I don't know. Maybe I should save that for later. There's sort of an overarching theme of like, I thought I knew what I wanted and it wasn't actually what made me happy. So maybe oh, I can- Oh, dive in, dive in. Talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I definitely had like very romantic notions growing up that, you know, I, I would just only date 1% and then I would like marry my first mm, boyfriend right. and it would all just right. be perfect and beautiful. And of course that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> but it was actually such a gift. Um because as I sort of learned over the next few years, I I don't think I really had a sense of like what type of person would actually be good for me and make me happy and holy. And I think yeah. I really had to learn that through experience. Um, yeah. So I think 
sorry, I feel like I'm getting a little lost in the, <laughs> the story here, but yeah, basically <laughs> that was, that was starting to, to kind of percolate in my mind. It took many years to sort of fully learn mm. the lesson, but um, mm. after college, so that college relationship ended. Um, and after college, I, I had really, I really thought that I was going to like meet my person in college. So it was very disappointing to like be a senior and have no attachments at all and no prospects. But I kind of came to terms with it because I realized it's always been really important to me to go back to my hometown after college and like live Mm -hmm. near my family. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe that is, you know, I just need to focus on that. And maybe my person is there, you know, and that's going to work out better. Yeah. But boy, was I praying every novena to every possible saint who can have anything (laughs) to do with marriage and math meeting for like the last semester of college. Um, and then came home and that summer um, just was kind of in that weird transition phase from like, how do I do adult life and work and right. all that? And like vaguely thought maybe I should go to grad school. Maybe I should be a nun. I don't really know. Mm. <laughs> and then um, was praying a novena. This is going to become important later. Um, <laughs> in August of 2017, I was mm. praying a novena that um, the college actually like sends out to all the alumni every August. It's mm-hmm. Our Lady Undoer of Knots. If you've oh, heard yeah. Yes. Devotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a huge fan um, mm-hmm. for lots of reasons now, but it goes from the Feast of the Assumption to the Feast of the Queenship of Our Lady, I think. And mm-hmm. I was praying it largely with the intention of kind of my vocation slash future husband. Um, and in the midst of it, met someone like literally on the steps of the church after daily mass, like perfect Catholic meet cute. Everything was great. <laughs> and like thought, this is it. This is it. You know? And, uh, reader, it was not it. Um, <laughs> so that was very devastating. Uh, yeah. Mm. Cause I felt this is where, uh, this is another like big learning experience, I guess. I, I really thought that he was, you know, God sent and was this answer to prayer. And then, he was, you know, he exited my life and mm. it, it just, I felt very, uh, betrayed by that, I guess, kind of betrayed by God, very mm-hmm. confused. Mm-hmm. Like I thought my prayer was answered. Now it's not answered. What's going on. Mm. Um, and really it was, it was terrifying, but I kind of had to realize I was kind of making an idol out of this relationship and this person and out of marriage in general. Um, and so I think ultimately it was fruitful because it forced me almost to kind of like deepen my relationship with God and make everything else be conditional on my relationship with God rather than the other way around. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a whole, I feel like that could be a whole <laughs> topic for another day in itself. But um, that yeah. was, yeah, so that was kind of a different mm. experience. But I think what was also important about that um, experience was that I... I'm trying to not like, I don't know, see, these people still exist and I don't want to like privacy issues, but, and I, I had to discern, you know, kind of what to include in the book for the That's same right. reason, but yeah. all, everything I say is no hard feelings against anyone else. This is all just what I personally learned from it. Mm-hmm. We'll just mm-hmm. make that clear. Um, I think the f- college relationship, I had this very intellectual way of going into it. Like I was in a stage of, um, kind of mistrusting, I guess, feelings and passion. I don't know, studying a lot mm. of Aquinas and Aristotle. And actually, they don't actually say this, but it, I had translated in my mind as like feelings mm. are kind of bad and feelings dangerous. Bad. And I should yeah. just mm-hmm. 
you know, discern only with my intellect. And so mm. I thought, I want a good Catholic guy. Here is a good Catholic guy. I guess I'll just go with it and give right. him a chance and <laughs> see what happens. And really didn't have, just really didn't have a lot of feelings for him, honestly. Right. right. Kept yeah. giving it a chance for months. And so yeah. um, when it ended, it was like disappointing, but it was also like, uh, I wouldn't really call it a heartbreak exactly. It was just kind of like, all right, mm. I guess, you know, that's God's sign that it's just not going to work. And then the post-college relationship was kind of almost the total opposite. Like, yes, he was devout. He was at daily mass. So I had the sort of this background, but like, it was the type of thing where, you know, on our first coffee date, I was like, I can see myself marrying him. This is, you know, this yeah, is, right. it's just yeah. like instant fireworks. You know, everything mm. was very, uh, very feelingsy, I guess. Right. And so um, it was beautiful, I guess, to be in touch with, my feelings and to re yeah. realize like I can actually feel that passionate about someone and I can feel like romanced and pursued in the way that I used to dream about and you know this is um also part of the healthy human experience but it was too far in that direction so it was right. kind of like uh yeah like lots of physical affection and lots of just kind of being cute together and not so much um talking about practical things like mm. right, you know what would what would life be like if we got married and that sort of thing? So yeah. I had kind of tried these like two different ways of doing a relationship, neither one of which really seemed to work very well. And I think, um, I mean, I'm sharing this as just my story, but I think it's also uh, things that became relevant to the book. Cause I think a lot of people are kind of yeah. struggling mm -hmm. with like falling into one extreme or the other, or just knowing mm -hmm. how to like tie all of that together. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I had my little, um, I, I like to call it sudden vocational discernment syndrome. That's where you <laughs> suddenly think that the vocation that you always thought you were called to is not the vocation you're called to. Right. And you go on a completely different uh, trail for a while. And uh, well, it wasn't super sudden, but like, as I was sort of healing from the ending of that second relationship, um, I was thinking and praying a lot, like, I just can't imagine anyone better than that guy, but like, I have to trust that like God has something better in mind for me. And, you know, I, I mean, the Lord is always better. And so, <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't make the Lord. Exactly. Yeah. Aaron is like, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good version. So I, uh, that plus a couple of other factors like a priest casually mentioning to me, have you ever thought about consecrated life and me taking it as, mm. oh, it's a sign from it's the Holy sign. Spirit. You know? yeah. right. um, right. Again, whole other topic we could go into yeah. sometime, like oh people gosh, giving yeah. well-meant but unhelpful discernment advice. Um, mm. I went on a discernment journey. I was uh, pretty serious about becoming a contemplative nun for almost a year. And... Um, Again, very, very fruitful in that, you know, I got closer to the Lord and I have a lot of respect and gratitude for religious life, but ultimately was uh, kind of just force marching myself through this discernment process mm, and it was not, right. really, it's mm. not a good fit. Um, that kind of similar to like the first relationship, I feel like I was stuck thinking like, well, I haven't gotten a clear no. Right. So, it's still a maybe. So I need to keep like yeah. forcing myself forward. Um, mm. and fortunately, um, a couple of wise people finally kind of intervened in my life and said, 
you don't seem like you want this at all. You don't seem like Mm -hmm. you're happy, you know, joy and peace are actually fruits of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you should pay more attention to those and remember that you have free will and you get a choice in the matter. Um, And so that was, uh, yeah, that was just a a big, long detour, maybe a good detour in some ways, but a big, long detour, uh, which brings us up to mid-2020, like June-ish of 2020. Um, And I finally told the nuns, I don't think I'm called to do this. And that was that. And then was super excited to get back into dating. And (laughs) (laughs) during the time that I had been discerning religious life very seriously, had like turned down a couple of dates and was kind of frustrated with like, where were all of you when I was completely (laughs) single and not discerning religious life? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And so um, kind of dove back in by reconnecting with those uh, gentlemen and um, ended up in another long distance relationship, which was rough, but it was partly just because of COVID and stuff, you know, travel was harder. Mm -hmm. And um, that lasted quite a long time. And again, it was like, I think I know what I want. I think I see how God has like brought me someone better for me than before this is it. This is really it. This time, this person and this guy, like, like I had a long checklist in my mind at this point of like all the qualities I wanted. He seemed mm. to have every single one of them. Everything was perfect, you know? Um, and then mysteriously I was just miserable mm. <laughs> and couldn't really like mm. admit to myself why. Um, but the reality was like, he just, I had kind of managed to become the pursuer in the relationship for lack of a a better way of saying it. And was kind of like holding up both ends to a large extent of this long distance thing and kind of just forcing it to keep happening when it wasn't really flowing naturally. Um, Mm. And so that ended and I feel like I am just going on and on and on. (laughs) No, it's so good. good. There's a lot of people listening and even myself. I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember learning that. Oh yeah. I remember, I remember that relationship or that thing. Right. And it's like, um why why do so many of us have to learn the hard way this is why i wrote yeah. the book so other people but maybe that's, yeah yeah maybe that's the answer it's like actually we have to allow ourselves to like go through these process and let go of that idealize i'm just gonna marry and you know gonna meet mary done kind of thing which maybe that happens for some people but it does okay it doesn't not, but right yeah mm-hmm. right Anyways, and i think yeah i think for me at least i i tend to just over over plan in a way and think that I have it all figured out. And God really likes to kind of show me by experience that I don't know what's best for me. And I don't know, I don't have it all figured out. Um, mm-hmm. It can be so hard in the midst of it, but it's ultimately very beautiful um, because yeah, this, this relationship where I thought this is it. He checks all the boxes, like really, really all the boxes this time, every last thing. I mean, it was, you know, we connected well intellectually. We were, the same exact level of like traditionalness in the Catholic world, which is mm. another topic we could go into. Like we were the same tribe of Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, um, which can be kind of hard. That's another obstacle. I think people face is like wanting the same, not just a Catholic, but the same type of Catholic. And I had found that mm. and, you know, physical type was like the one that I kind of always daydreamed about or thought I really liked, you know? And so there was all these, all these different things. Um, but Yet again, uh, I was on the receiving end of, of that breakup, and it was it was wonderful to see how I had grown clearly in like my relationship with God because I immediately it was just grace. I was given this sense mm-hmm. of peace and trust mm-hmm. that all right, if that wasn't it, then 
something else is and it's going to be okay. And it's going to be even better than I can imagine. Each, each relationship was like raising my standards in some way, Mm -hmm. I would say, and, and showing me like, you thought you knew what you wanted, but here's this other aspect of your personality that wasn't really drawn out before. Here's this other gift that you can be given that, um, you just never even knew you wanted. Right. And so I knew this, that was what was going to happen again. Right. I was going to just, it was someone I couldn't imagine was going to come along. And I, uh, I knew that. And yet I still just kind of sat there going, all right, so here are all the good qualities that the last (laughs) one had plus a few more that I can name. (laughs) And this is what I'm looking for now. (laughs) Of Fanny a little bit more. Um, but so this gets us up to like beginning of 2022. Yes. Yes. Beginning of 2022. (laughs) So when that relationship kind of came to an end and I was making my new checklist and kind of getting back (laughs) out there. And, uh, it was, that was about the time that I started, um, seeing the need, I think, for just new ways for Catholics to meet each other in person, because I was feeling the need for myself. My brothers Mm. who are a little younger than me were also kind of going through the same thing where they were like, I'm trying online dating, not going so well. What else is there? There's no girls in our parish, like (laughs) that Mm, sort of thing. And so, um, it was, it was just clear that there was a need, at least among a few of us. And I suspected there were more of us. And so really out of my own selfish purposes, I (laughs) kind of decided I wanted to start this, um, singles initiative. And I was really, really hesitant to be the leader of a a group or a ministry or anything that just didn't really seem like a good fit for me. But, um, God just made it very clear that I should do it. Like I should just do one event and just see what happens. Mm. He was like, just try it. Just try it. Like you don't have to have an email list. You don't have to have anything complicated. Just try, you know, putting it out there. And a pretty good number of people showed up to the first one, even though I really only advertised it to my own parish. And then it just kind of kept slowly expanding from there. Um, so I was, running this whole thing, I kind of slowly made it more organized and made it uh, bigger and better and um, got it to a point where, you know, lots of people were showing up like once a month and meeting new people and mingling and guys and girls were actually talking to each other. It's amazing how if you go to a Catholic event, maybe not just Catholic, but this is where I see it. Like even, even in the beginning at the singles events, like the guys and girls would kind of show up and then they would all just kind of slowly turn in on themselves and talk in their mm-hmm. own groups. And I had to come around and like tease them about it and be like, gentlemen, you are not here to talk to each other. Can you please yeah. go talk to this lady? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. and yeah, like I was like, do I have to treat you all like we're in, you know, yeah, third grade and make you yeah. say boy, girl, boy, girl, like <laughs> yeah. talk to each other. But slowly it started happening and I was, you know, kind of seeing some good things coming from it and meeting new mm-hmm. people myself nothing better you can do for your dating life, honestly, than start the singles ministry yourself and just <laughs> publicly make sure everybody knows who you are and everybody knows you're single and everybody has a way to contact you. you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, for the first like six months or so, I mean, even though I was meeting a ton of people, like still nothing was really happening for me. Um, but I think it was, it was good in a way because I, I was saved from the danger of kind of rebounding and, God was really working on my heart in a a deep way that I couldn't quite see yet. Um, he he just slowly kind of it's just a grace. I really like I didn't even sense it happening until it had already happened, but it just slowly kind of transformed my idea of how dating should work from here's my checklist. Now let me go find someone who fits it. Like here's the job description where somebody with a, right. a resume kind of idea to 
who are the people that are actually showing up in my life? And what do I notice when I'm around them? And what are the fruits of these connections? So mm. it's a completely different so way of thinking about it. That's, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it's, and it was so much more fun, honestly, once yeah, I kind of yeah. had that mind session. Because then I started to just be very open to like, I mean, if a guy asked me out, I was just going to go. And I was just going to talk to him and get to know him a little bit and see what happened, you know? And it didn't have to be a really big deal because... I wasn't looking for like, oh, but he doesn't have this quality. I'm looking for like instantly out the gate. I still had my my things that I sort of would see as green flags or, you know, the, right. the basic things I was looking for. It's not like you don't have standards at all, but right. um, it was it was less like, oh, I don't know if I should say yes to this date because I think he has, you know, this and this that don't really right. align. And it was more mm-hmm. like, oh, how wonderful that somebody like wants to spend some time with me. And I'm yeah. just gonna, like, let's just have fun with this a little bit and see what right. happens. So, um, yeah, a a little ways into running the singles ministry, I started to get asked out more and honestly, almost more than I could handle at one point, because it was like, (laughs) I just know so many people now and everybody has like a way to be in touch with me. And, um, yeah, it was a little overwhelming, but it was actually a really fun time because also this is something we can go deeper into if you want. But, um, I think you've actually talked about it on the podcast before I, for, pretty much the first time was open to like going on dates with multiple people kind of at the same mm. time and not yeah. being like, we're either not dating at all or we're like in a serious relationship kind of out the right. gate. It was more like, right. You know, maybe the first date won't even turn into a second one. So what's the big deal of like scheduling both of them at once or, or even right. letting right. it go on for like potentially a few months um, and just kind of taking it a step at a time. And I was honest with everybody um, when yeah. I was doing that, right. I decided yeah. to be kind of forthcoming and say like, if we had had like one or two good dates and the guy was asking me out again, I would just say something like, um, really enjoying getting to know you totally open to it. I just want you to know that I'm also getting to know some other people right now. And I'm just trying to give myself a few months to kind of discern before I get into a serious relationship again or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And yeah. for the most part, everyone was pretty fine with it. Like <laughs> They were right. maybe, maybe it was seemed unusual, but it wasn't like mm-hmm. enough to make them run screaming away or yeah. be like, Oh, you floozy. I don't know what yeah. the word is. For right. <laughs> well, and so. I actually think that that is a good, um, you know, if a guy is confident enough in himself and, you know, then, then it's like, maybe that'll make him a little, little nervous. Be like, Oh my gosh, she's, she's getting to know all these other guys, but also like, like to, to be able to just keep getting to know somebody. Right. And I mean, it goes both ways, right? Like, Right. It demand it demands a kind of confidence in yourself to be like, okay, if 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 I'm gonna find the person who's a right fit, like we're gonna find each other, mm-hmm. and that's great. And it's okay for me to be open to multiple people, and so for him to be open to multiple mm-hmm. people, right. you know, and I confidence think, in the Lord, like yeah, right, like that it's yeah. that He's working in it all, like that He reveals things when they need to be revealed, that He guides us in like the actual yeah. movements of stuff that we're making, and not just like when we're sitting around statically and then waiting for him to majestically give his, you know, will infuse his will into our lives before we make a step. Right. Right. Rather than trying to just grasp onto some, some person be like, I, I, I want to date with you. I like you. Let's, let's get, that's exclusive. Right. Like you talked about Mm -hmm. the, um, what's the words you use, Rachel, the, um, close distant, close, no distance relationships. relationships, Right. Yeah. Yeah. I found for me, it really helped me. I, th- I think I had a, a pattern in the past of just getting like really emotionally invested in a relationship very quickly because it was usually just one guy who seemed amazing and, you know, mm. nobody else on the horizon. And it was helpful to just take a little step back and kind of go, 
basically these are like new acquaintances or like new friends. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a potential for a romantic relationship here that might eventually lead to marriage, but I don't have to be so focused on that and put so much pressure on either of us. Like Nicole's saying, like I can Mm. actually just like, I made a, a conscious effort to, when I was actually on a date, just only pay attention to the, this person in front of me and just be in the mm-hmm. moment, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. like comparing him to somebody else. Like at the mm-hmm. same time, it was just, just be in the moment, pretend like this is the only person in the world. Basically. I know mother Teresa and other saints are often said to, to make people feel like, like you're the only person in the world when they were talking to them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what I kind of tried to go for. Just like, let me just mm-hmm. get to know this person. And no matter what happens, it's never a waste of time to get to right. know someone. Yeah. yeah. That's yep. an image yep. of God. Like it's yep. a gift to get to yeah. spend time with someone. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really key, actually, because I, I think um, there's a lot of reasons why people maybe are afraid to, in instance, waste time dating or like, am I going to waste time if I'm dating all these different people and it's taking me, you know, and I have, I have this timeline in my head or am I going to waste someone else's time if I'm not their person and I'm wasting their time and I'm risking, but you know, all of those kinds of things. I feel like I've had these conversations with yeah. people where we're we're like, that's a fear. And it's like, we, we put a lot of responsibility on ourselves to kind of protect everyone. And yes. instead of accepting kind of the, the process and it's hard. Like I, I've, I've, I've been there, you know, and it's, um, I do. but I, yeah, being able to just be freer, be freer with that is, um, is it is a gift and a goal, right? I think as part of dating. I, I do think that like the idea that has helped me a lot too in dating. I'm, I'm still dating and I, well, I'm not dating anyone right now, but I'm like in that zone of my life still help me Lord. But like <laughs> that is, but I find, I, I remember a big switch for me a number of years ago. Like I can't remember how long ago now where I used to be kind of like, I don't know. I think, I, I think, you know, we all have like different kind of different kinds of walls and, you know, whatever it might be, wounds or trauma or different things that you kind of build up in your life where you're, you're on guard. And I think you described so well, thank you so much for talking, like some of these barriers that we have. Cause I think you really described a lot of them really well. And there's a lot of nuance there, um, as to why dating is difficult for Catholics specifically. And one of the things for me was like, I don't like, I don't want to, the, the not leading a guy on thing, or like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. And I would, not really know how to be, you know, on a date in a way that's like open to this person, Mm -hmm. but also not lead them on. And like, you know, when I was younger, I was like, what the heck, how do you do this? And then I kind of had that uh, realization too, where like, okay, it's not about that. It's just like, somebody wants to spend time with me. That's so lovely. Like what a compliment and, you know, and, and what a privilege for me then to get to spend time with them and get to know them. And it may not be a romantic thing. It may not be but it's always like a gift. It's always a gift to get to to have the opportunity to encounter someone, like to mm-hmm. really kind of have wherever that level of encounter is mm-hmm. in like a first date or mm-hmm. following. Yeah. And I think it really helped me to be open to people in an authentic way where I wasn't trying to sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, ma- uh, police my own reactions or like mm-hmm. whatever that stuff, however that happens and just kind of try to receive the yeah. person in front of me mm-hmm. and appro- like, you know, appropriately, obviously to the situation, but right. people are pretty chill. And if, right. you, if you're relaxed, like people will be relaxed. And yeah. I think that yeah. was super helpful for me for like being, starting to be open to dating, 
like you said, kind of multiple people. Because that was, yeah, it's like, how do you think about this? And mm. if you think about it in this way that you talked about, I think it's so much more, it's so it's not like threatening to them right. or to you. It's yeah. good to know thing. people. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, um, it makes me think actually a lot of like the contrast between that, like dating a person or um, like discerning religious life and going to visit like different religious communities and things like that. Because if you visit a religious community and it's not a good fit, it's not a slight against the religious community. It's right, not a, right. you know what I mean? Like there's no, mm-hmm. but there's like, there's, there's so much of that that we've kind of, well, not me because I'm a consecrated virgin, but that's, I think in general, been infused into dating of like somehow mm-hmm. that if it's not a fit, that there's like something defective about the person right. or defective mm, right. but, or like, you know, like something like that. But yeah. it's, it's nothing to to do with that a lot of the time. Like everybody yeah. has character right. defects, every single person. Right. It just is a matter of yeah. whether the Lord is calling you to bring your character defects into this communion that, that, you know, together can, you know, help each other get to heaven. But like, but there's much less pressure when you're talking about discernment of religious communities and whether it's just like, whether it's a fit, whether it's not a fit, like, does it match the gifts that I have or the, you know, the things Mm -hmm. the Lord is bringing me to holiness in, like those kind of things. There's a bit more freedom there that I think the Lord probably desires to have in the dating world Mm -hmm. as, as well, you know, in a, in a similar way. I think so. And, and nobody, I mean, from what I remember, at least like the Norbertines weren't like, how dare you also visit the Dominicans? Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes, totally. (laughs) It would be weird if you were trying to like enter both at the same time, you know, there's a point where you have to make a choice and that's normal, but there's also an initial part of both processes where it's like, you're just meeting people and getting to know them a little bit. And there's nothing, you know, people don't have to do it this way. I, I think it's, I don't want to make people listening right. feel like, like well, I'm only, only you know seeing one person. I have to like go out and artificially find a second yes. one. Like, oh, oh, it's just, if, if more than but one it's like if it comes, way, yeah. yeah. If mm-hmm. it happens, there's nothing sinful about like having coffee with somebody one day and somebody else a different day. You know, right. and I think that's just something that a lot of, I mean, a lot of Catholics probably it's just not intuitive anymore. It used to be much more normal, um, and I think it's not intuitive to people anymore, mm-hmm. and it feels weird. I think because of all the messages we hear about, like, you're dating not just for fun, you're dating for marriage, you're dating, you know, you need to be dating intentional. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I found that for me, at least, I was much more intentional in my dating when I had this initial phase of being open, you know, to getting to know of different people at the same mm-hmm. time. And then intentionally thinking, I see really good fruits, you know, from this one connection mm-hmm. I see this going in a really good direction. I see us as really compatible. I'm going to intentionally choose to like pursue that one and kind of wind down the others if they haven't already naturally just kind of petered out because that's, I think that's more intentional in a way rather than just kind of, sometimes there's a sense of desperation. If there's only one person that you've met for the past three Mm. years who seems at all like a possibility, then there can be a little bit of like clinginess um, that isn't really as intentional as maybe we think. So I yeah. think it's at least an option that more people should consider if it, uh, you know, if it happens to happen. Um, I love that. Yeah. I, I also want to say, like, I just really appreciate that you said, like, okay, also, don't, we're not prescribing, like, a program here. Like, go out yeah. and do these specific, because I just had a conversation with someone today where it's like, it's, there's also a really weird attitude in the Catholic world where it's like, well, what is 
the formula that I'm supposed to follow <laughs> yes. to like get married, you know, We're tell me the rules. steps. Yeah, We're exactly. Where are the rules? rules. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When it's, and I definitely, not how it, it works. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. how it is. Well, and it's, and that, yeah. Oh, sorry, Nicole. Oh no. Well, I, and I just, you know, if I think of my own dating, there was a little bit of going on like sort of dates with different people, you know, overlapping, but that for me, that was actually really hard. Cause I am, I am such a like intense processor that like mm. that just overwhelms me. Right. And I know that there's other people like me. And so like, I couldn't, I kind of had to just sort of figure it really quickly be like, okay, I can't, I'm, I am, I like, I cannot sleep at night because I've gone yeah. on two dates with different people this week or whatever, you know? So maybe I need to, you know, and the Lord works with that too. Um, but I, I, there was definitely some like insecurity or, or just different things. Cause my dating journey didn't necessarily look like what I'd heard this Catholic person say, or this person say, and I'm like, well, this is what happened. You know, it took me more than two years to figure mm-hmm. out if I wanted to marry my spouse and all of these different things. And, um, but to, to actually come to a space where it's like, okay, there's all these tools and, and we're being told that there's, yeah, there's, there's lots of ways to date and there's, you know, you can do this and you can do this and you can date multiple people at once or, you, you know, um, but I think that the, in the end it's, is, is my mind and my heart integrated to a place where I am attuned to, yeah, there's, there's like stirrings of my heart and like attraction and just being drawn to somebody. I just like kind of want to be around them um, as well as continuing to think and be, you know, prudent and, and logical and not having one overwhelm the other, but having those two kind of talking and then say, okay, now what, what is my dating going to look like if I'm, you know, um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. You know, I don't, yeah. And I, but I found, I think that like hearing these things of it's okay to go on dates with multiple people, or it's okay to do these things that for me, that was freeing because that was like, okay, I don't, there isn't a program. There isn't a program, but, but this isn't wrong and that isn't wrong. And this, you know, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hearing you all say this, like I, it's a little bit of, I guess, fear in me that, putting out this book that it'll look like I'm establishing a program mm. and saying everybody should do this. And it, it might, uh, you know, sort of the marketing speak that we <laughs> put right. out there might kind of look like that because people mm. are looking for something like that. Mm-hmm. But what I hope I'm getting across in the book itself is that I'm going to suggest things that seem to have worked well for lots of people, or at least for me, I'm going to suggest options, you know, or, or things oh, yeah. to at least consider, but right. that ultimately, you know, you have to be in a close relationship with the Lord and you have to be praying and discerning for yourself what your next step is. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, trying to kind of um, just, uh, yeah, free people up from some of the the excessively like restrictive things that we've kind of made up for ourselves, but then, but then mm-hmm. also say, okay, some things are really important and there is sometimes actually a wrong way to do things. So maybe don't do that, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So yeah, striking yeah, yeah. that balance, but yeah. yeah so I, yeah. I'd recommend like be open to dating multiple people. You know, if somebody reads yeah. that and goes, I really don't want to do that or they try and it doesn't work out well, then fine. They, you know, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I think you're always going to learn something from just at least being yeah. open to the idea. And then, absolutely, you know, going on from there, like, obviously the goal is not to just stay open to multiple people for an enormous length of time. Like <laughs> you yeah. want to sort of naturally settle into like, Oh, this person seems like we have a lot of potential. I'm going to pursue this mm. more deeply. And um, just that relationships happen in stages. It's like, you mm. don't go from 
just barely meeting someone to being like, we're best friends for life, like instantly, you know, and it's the same with a marriage. You don't go from Mm -hmm. meeting someone to going, I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person just so quickly. You can, you can kind of ease into it for a little bit longer. Um, I think interestingly for me, um, I, I don't know that it would be this way for most people. It was just what happened for me, but (laughs) I felt like because I kind of slowed down the initial stages of my relationship with Enrique, my husband, because he was one of the guys I was kind of seeing alongside others for a while. Mm. Um, and I, because we did a speed dating event and I, I had met him a couple times before, but I finally was at that mindset of like, I'm just going to default to yes. I'm going to say like, mm. I'm I'm good with any of these guys, you know, if they wrote me down and kind of, unless I have a specific reason not to mm. um, and just kind of see what happens. And so um, there's a lot more little details to the story, but basically, you know, he was, he was just one among several at that point in my mind. And then I just saw very clearly, like, he is really wonderful and and we seem to be a really good fit and I'm going to, you know, just continue encouraging this connection. Um, and so it took a while between like our first date and calling ourselves like boyfriend and girlfriend and starting to, you know, be more serious, I guess, took a few months. But once we were in an exclusive relationship, we were engaged within, I think like five months after that, four. Mm. So it wasn't very long. So it actually seemed to kind of speed up the whole process. The overall process. (laughs) I think, I mean, because I had been in much longer, a much longer relationship before that didn't end up in marriage. So it's sort Mm. of like, it's not, it's, there's no, is no set amount of time that you necessarily Mm -hmm. need. It's more, like, yeah, like we just happened to be able to converse really well and talk about important things more quickly once we were mm. in it. So um, I don't know if that maybe gives some people a, a little perspective. Like if you're hearing just, you know, it's okay to like date lots of people and take some time before you get into a relationship that might sound like, well, oh my gosh, you're extending the process <laughs> by like right. 10 years to right. get yeah, married. Like yeah. It, it sounds like it's pretty long. But for <laughs> right. me, it actually seemed to go very quickly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think sometimes taking taking the pressure off actually helps us to just get in touch with ourselves mm-hmm. and 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 see more clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good. <laughs> like that's just good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, how you know, all these different pressures, like a lot of the hurdles you describe are are pressures, right? like timelines or expectations of others or um, expectations of the relation, the person that's in front of us. But if we start to try to release some of those and just be a little more open, then. Mm. Can maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting, what's interesting too, is there um, what you said, you know, at the beginning of your kind of sketching out your journey with this, you're like, well, you just assumed you're going to go to college and then you're going to meet someone. And there it, it like we are. I've been having these, this conversation with a few people recently. Like, there we're at a particularly broken time of mm-hmm. history in terms of dating. Like, there that there's a reason that you assumed that. You know, there it was that mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. in the past. Like, it wasn't there. The the pressures that we experience, maybe everyone has always experienced because you know it's just kind of human. There are human things that maybe everybody has always experienced throughout history in mm-hmm. certain ways. But society was kind of set up for people to date. There were natural places where dating was just like, or we call it dating, but whatever it was at the time. People like getting to know each other. Yeah, it was just kind of there were, there were there were like official practices for how to do this, like at dance there halls were or at there were customs, customs exactly yes. that were just kind of normal. And 
that's how you and and you would marry someone in your town or your village or your city or wherever. Right. And and so it's really I think like I mean I'm a millennial and I really think like especially I think millennials like we were kind of and I think that's that's coming to bear now there's a lot of women especially I think in there even in the secular side of things in their 30s now that are like I don't know what happened and like I don't know how to approach this and I think yeah the customs just kind of like dried up and in the absence of that it's really it's like there is a real problem and it's not just like individuals not finding the right person. And so mm. in the Catholic world, even more so, like maybe other things on top of this that are happening. Um, so yeah, it's like the pressures are different now. Mm-hmm. The pressures are are different because we don't have a way, a natural kind of structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think people are looking for those rules and the formula and the playbook, right. partly because we've totally lost the sort of organic cultural customs mm. that we so people are completely unmoored. And yeah. I mean, people are like the articles that I wrote about this topic initially were going semi-viral, I think because people are just constantly interested in this topic and searching for it. And they're like, what, what in the world is going wrong? I don't even understand mm. what's happening yeah. and much less how to fix it. Um, and it's amazing how um, people, even like older people who have children our age sometimes are kind of unaware of how difficult it really is. Um, I have at least one friend who's in her thirties who like her parents would always be like, so maybe you're just being too picky or something, you know? And she's kind of like, no, you don't understand. Like literally no one has asked me out. No, there's no one to say no to. I'm not like, (laughs) that's not the problem, you know? So there's kind of this, it's just so different than it used to be that I think it's hard for people to even who are already, you know, married for many years to even understand what's going on now. Um, So for me, a, a big part of wanting to write this book, I mean, the main audience is people who are actually going through it. And I hope that it's helpful to people. And I have a lot of resources and things that I've quoted in there that, um, including yes, an episode of this podcast, (laughs) I hope will also be helpful to people to kind of just get into a a better mindset. And I think if enough different people all over the place are at least looking at the same suggested resources and things, then we can start to sort of build a new culture um, Mm -hmm. where everyone kind of does speak the same language about dating Mm -hmm. again, because so often I I think one of the big hurdles, whether or not I mentioned it already is you start to try to date someone and then you realize that you and the other person have very different expectations of how dating is going to go. So you have to have a lot of conversations with this person. You really barely know, you know, from the beginning about like, well, this is what I think dating should look like. Right. This is what I think physical boundaries should be. This is what I think right. uh, the timeline yeah. might look like, or I don't let, think there should be yeah. a timeline or whatever. You know, <laughs> let alone just, just getting lot. to know the person. You yeah, have yes, to like yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's like totally. this whole other set oh of things gosh. you have to discuss. There's a lawyer there. You have <laughs> <So> notary. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> consent yeah. to hold hands. I yeah, don't know. there's all kinds of things. Uh, yeah. Well, and Rachel's a lawyer. Rachel D'Souza is a lawyer, so that works out well in your favor now for dating. <laughs> Are you good. like, can I have that in writing every time yeah, we have a conversation? Oh, right. Yeah, well, um, I know we have to probably wrap up soon, but um, Rachel, do you what like for for folks listening to this podcast who are you know, maybe on the edge of their seats and want to buy your book after we can, you can tell them how to do that. But just like, what, what, what do you want to leave people with? Um, uh, yeah. Like just any, any last advice or just any, yeah. Hmm. 
take away I would say if there's one thing that I hope people take away from the book and take away from what I've learned personally and all the research that I did, it would be that um, pretty much no matter how much you think you have a specific type, whether it's a personality type or a physical type, you should be probably more open to people mm. who don't fit that type. Because mm. um, as I, I kind of alluded to a little bit, like I didn't think Enrique was my type when I first met him. He just didn't look like it. He didn't, I just, I just didn't think he was and really shut him down initially. <laughs> and over, you know, six months or so of like running into him a couple more times. And then finally just being like, ah, I'm open to anybody at this point, you know, <laughs> and kind of opening the floor. Okay. Not quite, but like, all right, any good Catholic guy, I'm just going to, I'm going to go in at least one date and just see what happens. You know, right. that sort of more open mindset. Um, he just, he proved himself very quickly to be much better for me than the idea I had mm. in my mind. Um, mm -hmm. And I realized I was drawn to a kind of a certain personality type that was more, um, I guess, more like stoic and introverted that Enrique is basically the complete polar opposite. And it's so helpful because I'm also stoic and introverted and that is not mm. a good combination. And it's good to have some opposites. Sometimes. Right. How often um, are we just looking for like the opposite sex version of ourselves? Exactly. And like, that's or usually like a the, really bad idea. Yeah. Familiar with or something. And so yeah. it was so beautiful to just start getting to know yeah. him and realize like, Oh, this is so different, but it's different in a very good way. And yep. um, even my family were kind of like, he's, he's different, <laughs> you know, at first, not in a bad way. They were just kind of like, he's different than your usual type. And I was like, well, has my usual type worked? No. That's yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. 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 And now right. I mean, they absolutely love him. Everything's great, but yeah. yeah. So I would say, and there, I quote plenty of um, other people's experiences in the book as well. Like um, I think, you know, yeah, just all kinds of reasons why it, it just doesn't hurt to at least Mm -hmm. give it a chance. And then if you find that, you know, you've gone on a couple dates with somebody who isn't your type and they still are not your type, then, then fine. You know, but it's, it's, again, it's not a waste mm -hmm. of time to just get to know that person and yeah. also get to know yourself better. So mm -hmm. I think if more people were just more open, then everybody would probably go on more dates and then everybody would know better what they actually want and yeah, totally. <laughs> who they're actually a good fit for, you know? Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. And I would say, I, I have to credit you know, other people for kind of helping to teach me that lesson. It was, it was God's grace, but it was also, um, listening to and, and meeting, um, there's a, a matchmaker who lives here in Nashville. Who's, mm. she's not a Catholic matchmaker. She works with secular people and all kinds of people, but she is a Catholic. So I ran into her. She was very supportive of the singles ministry I was running and everything. And she's very in favor of just, unless it's a absolute hard no she calls it sudden repulsion syndrome like unless you have mm. like you're utterly repulsed you would rather curl up in your beanbag chair than ever you know <laughs> go out of your house with this person again like then then you know, like basically as long as there's still a question mark in your mind right just just say yes and like take yeah take one more step go on one more right. date um i think she gives that advice maybe more to women because we tend to be even more yeah. exclusive i think than guys and mm. kind of like oh, i don't want to lead them on mm -hmm. but she said um she gave a talk to our singles group and this really stuck with me she said as long as it's there's still a question mark in your mind you're not leading him on because yeah, you, right. you need more information you know you right, just right. need to know him better so you're not leading someone on. If you're still questioning it, then, right. you know, then it's, you can just say yes, and it's okay. So yeah. I think that openness um, is really very important and very 
I want to say that it, it's holy in a way. Like you're, it yeah. is holy. Yes. It it's totally again, is, is holy. God. Like just, mm. just be open to this yeah. image of God. Love the person in front of you. you know? And how mm-hmm. often has it happened that God, like that what God does in your life does not look at all what you thought like yeah. it was going to look like, right? Mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. that it's like the answer that he brings or the, the thing that he brings you to or whatever is nothing. Yeah, like what you thought, but it's like a million times better and it fits you like way yeah, better, so and better. It's, right and it's I, f- I feel like that I mean it I'm without me being like oh, I want to steal my guts now and tell my whole story because <laughs> this is related you know but it, there's so much that resonates with me with you know my relationship with with Nathan when we were you know so many times when I was dating him where I was like I just I just don't know if this thing is really what I'm looking for and I would be like praying about it and crying and then it would be like the Lord's like yeah but do you like him and I'd be like, yeah, I really <laughs> like him. And then it would be, I was like, okay, well, I just keep dating him then, you know? Right. And now that I'm married to Nathan, I'm just like, there's, there's many times where I'm like, Lord, like you were right. And he's like, I know. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. But I just, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't know myself as well as I thought I did. Um, so mm-hmm. the openness mm-hmm. is so important. It can be kind of humbling. At least for me, it was kind of humbling to realize like, yeah. oh, the guy that I really shut down six months ago is actually the best. But, right. Yeah. But yeah. That's holy too, right? <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. Humility. humility. <laughs> yeah. Something Nicole Absolutely. said made me think of another thought and then it just completely went out of my head. But, oh, well. um, there are too many thoughts. Um, that's why I wrote a whole book and they're all in there. Um, that's there right. yeah, see, and that's well, just why, that book. just means we'll have to have you back for another episode yeah, at some that point. Would be of course, lovely, yeah, anytime actually. we could dive deeper into tribalism and Catholicism oh, yeah, non-exclusive dating or anything. Um, I also, I feel like just to wrap up my story a little bit, I remember mm-hmm. pointing out like August of 2017, I prayed this novena and I said right. that would be important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to share that um, the prayer was answered because after we were engaged, Enrique and I and his mom were in a conversation. We were talking about how, I, I think she asked me like, well, did you wish that you got married a long time ago like or something? And I was like, yeah, I, back when I was 22, I wanted to be married like at 22, you know, like I really mm. hoped it would happen sooner, but now I'm glad it didn't because I wouldn't have married him. Right. Mm. And, and then I just jokingly turned to Enrique and said, yeah, what were you doing in like August of, or what were you doing in 2017 when I was 22? And he said, well, depends if we're talking about before August or after August. Mm. And I was just mind blown. Cause I was like, what's important about August? <laughs> And it turned out that he had basically, he had a, I hope you're okay with me sharing all this, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he had a, uh, well, we'll edit it out if not. Um, he had a experience of like coming back to Christianity, essentially, mm. like, during August of 2017. Um, wow. And we were looking at the dates. He was on this trip to Europe with some friends who helped to really bring him back to the Lord. And like, it's like the novena, like it's just wow. like, the dates. So it oh took my gosh, that's so five cool. years. No, six years. It took six years to see the fruit of that novena. But I was just, I was so blown away. I had already, we had already discerned, we had gotten engaged, we made our decision, but that just confirmed oh. it even more that like this wow. really was God's will all along. And when I prayed mm. for my future husband, the prayers were answered just in such a different way. Because if he mm. hadn't come back to the church, like, of course, we we probably would never have even met, you know? Right. So, oh, cool. So, yeah, That's I want beautiful. to leave people with that too. That there's there's hope. Like if you're praying novena after novena, like I was, and thinking your prayers are going nowhere, then they're probably mm-hmm. going somewhere. You just it might just take such a long time or a more circuitous mm-hmm. route to see the fruit of it, but it will be so worth it. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Oh my goodness, that, I love, that. love mm-hmm. it. 
That's so um, good. I do. You haven't named your, I realize. I don't think, I mean, it might be in the title of our, of the episode, but we haven't actually said the name of your book. Right. At What's all. the name of the book? Where can people buy it? Yeah. Yes. The name of the book is Pretty Good Catholic, How to Find, Date, and Marry Someone Who Shares Your Faith. Mm. And you can buy it on the Vianney Vocations website. So viannivocations.com slash prettygoodcatholic should get you to the webpage nice. about it. Um, as we're recording this, I think it still says pre-order, but by the time the episode comes out, it might actually be available. So they're actively printing it right now. Fun. Nice. Okay. Last little question. We have, you know, we have lots of listeners who are Catholic. We also have listeners who are not Catholic. Um, is this book going to be relevant? Let's say for some lovely Christian young people who are, I don't know why I said it that way, but anyways, but like (laughs) folks who are not Catholic, but are, you know, who are Christian and and interested in, in dating dating and are wondering, is this going to be super, super like Catholic-y stuff or are there sort of general principles? I would say there's maybe a little bit of both. Um, I definitely have a lot of things in there that I think would apply to absolutely everyone who's mm. struggling. Yeah. Um, I, I quote some resources that are not Catholic resources, for example, you know, other Christians and things, um, especially on the topics of like being more open and if you're going to date multiple people at once, kind of how to navigate that and why there's nothing wrong with that. And um, mm. so a lot of those things, I would say the first, like, at least four to six chapters are probably pretty applicable to anyone. Um, and then, well, really almost all of it. I would say there's one chapter where I do kind of go deeper into um like discerning your vocation and the sudden vocational discernment syndrome right. aspect of things that maybe people who aren't more, you know, if priesthood and religious life are not even on your radar, that part might just not make as much sense or not be as applicable. But um mm-hmm. I think maybe even there's some principles for just making good decisions, sure. you know. So yeah. yeah, I hope it would be um relevant to a lot of people. There might be like terminology kind of thrown in there or, or things you're mm-hmm. not as familiar with, but um, yeah, I think there's a lot of this is not just limited to Catholic issues. It's, it's definitely right. a Christian issue in general, you know, a Christian a human being uh, issue. Yeah, yeah. It's really a human yeah. being issue, you know, humans in this totally. day and age. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Sweet. Good stuff. But I kind of um, focus on the niche just because that's what I know. And, um, for sure. I want to, you know, kind of get a little, a little Catholic nerdy once in a while and quote Thomas Aquinas and <laughs> things love like it. That. That's great. Um, okay. Well, before we uh, close out this podcast, Rachel, thank you so much for being here and sharing. This has been really, really good and hopefully some really rich um, insights for people. But you also had a God wink to share with us to take us out today. <laughs> Yay! Well, thank you all for having me. This is the first podcast I've ever done. So it's oh my gosh. You're pro. Great. Yeah. Oh, and I want to say uh, the episode that I specifically quote or mention of your podcast was the one on purity culture there's a whole chapter on like Mm -hmm. physical affection and chastity and all of that which I think um again a lot of people who are not just Catholics would (laughs) really benefit from that and I really appreciated the episode and everything you all shared there so thank you um yeah I think and that's um from this season right season season four in the fall I I was like actively writing that chapter and then listened to the episode and was like ooh that's good I'm gonna work that Awesome. That's a God wink in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. (laughs) My God wink. I asked Nicole if this, if it counts because it seems kind of strange, but I guess that's the whole point. Um, So (laughs) I had strep recently and I've been on antibiotics and you know how, like, you're probably all aware, like the antibiotics can like kill all the good bacteria in your like gut and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. then you have, you know, digestive issues and whatnot. 
And so I was so excited to be done with my antibiotics and like rebuild my gut biome. I've been like nerding out about this. I'm like, I'm going to get some kombucha and some <laughs> yogurt. And, like, <laughs> and so, and I really wanted to get some like unpasteurized sauerkraut because that's supposed to be really mm. good stuff for that. And I was going to make it. So I was at the grocery store and I was looking for cabbage all over the place and I couldn't find any cabbage. But then they had this like completely raw, unpasteurized, like the exact right kind of sauerkraut that you don't normally see in the grocery store, just sitting there mm. in Costco. Oh. So I was like, well, thank you, God. <laughs> I'll take several. <laughs> you know? so, That's great. Yeah, he, just, he loves to take care of me in little ways as soon as I start getting That's really so anxious cute. about something. So <laughs> yeah, I will make my own sauerkraut. It will be yeah. amazing. There's like, here, it's at Costco. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't even have time and it would probably mold and make things worse. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. Oh, oh that's good. a great one. You're like that. I love that. Disgusting, but amazing. No, there are, there's some sauerkraut that's so good. I feel like I've had this Polish sauerkraut and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is mind-blowingly good. So I don't know. Okay. I haven't had sauerkraut in a long time because it was not a good experience when I first tried it. So maybe I'll have to try the unpasteurized sauerkraut from Costco. Also, I feel like Aaron is more picky than all of us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. lots of things. That I like that Nicole likes that Aaron's like, that's gross. Get it away from me. That's right. I'm a big food shamer. We've already established (laughs) that. That's right. No. Well, I had a housemate not long ago who used to eat sauerkraut by the bowlful. Wow. Like a salad. I I don't think I'm on that level. I'll put a little bit on my hot dog. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You're working your way up. That's yeah. There we go. (laughs) Well, let's take it. Good takeaways mm. from this episode. You know, date lots of people, be open, That's and right. eat your sauerkraut, and, and everything's going to be okay. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. All right. Thanks so much, thanks, everybody. And thanks, this, thanks for listening, folks. And if you... Yeah. You know, if you want to hear more from uh, Rachel Hoover Canto about her book or different topics, um, let us know because, mm-hmm. you know, we can bring her back. So, yeah. yeah. Some bonus episodes. Bonus nice. Episodes. There we go. <laughs> all right. Everybody. Well, God bless you all. Don't know how to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Well, God bless you. Bye. Soon. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.